This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and we are back with another Let's Ride podcast for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. Happy hump day, folks. Man, we are getting close to Christmas. Man, we are getting close to Christmas. I, I want to, I'm going to say this more than once, trust me, but I, I want to wish every single person out there listening to this show that has ever ever even taken the time to listen to a few episodes, even if it's just, oh, I only listen to one a week. doesn't matter. Thank you. I wish you nothing but the best this holiday season, whether you are Jewish and, and celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, my favorite holiday, Festivus, for the Seinfeld fans out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the feats of strength, the airing of grievances, I think sometimes a lot of people's holidays turn into that no matter what they try to do. But still, hey, I hope everyone's enjoying this time of the year. We have a lot to talk about in this podcast. We've got DEFCON level updates. We've got a lot of news with Mike Tomlin speaking on Tuesday. And then we're going to be talking about specific players on offense, defense, and even one special teamer that are entering a three-game tryout phase with the Steelers. We'll talk about that in depth. Let's start off with the news. We all knew this, but yet... Some people seem surprised by it. The Steelers are wearing their throwback uniforms on Saturday night, Christmas Eve, in the Immaculate Reception anniversary game, the 50th anniversary. This game is at 8 o'clock p.m. Pittsburgh time on the NFL Network. So make sure you set your dials accordingly. And the one thing to think about that I get frustrated with, so the throwbacks have these cool patch, 50th anniversary, and then they're going to have that patch on there. Other than that, it's just their traditional block block numbers. I want an actual 1972 throwback. And what that means is I want the gray face mask. And I had a, a follower on Twitter, and I don't know if they were being funny. If not, if, if they were, that's fine. doesn't matter. And they I said this on Twitter, that I wanted them to have the gray face mask. The gray face mask they wore in 72 that they had on their helmets for the first two of that four, the four Super Bowls in the 70s. I said, give me the gray face mask, please. That's all I want. And this person said, ew, that's like really like, ew. And I said, ew, ew. That was the actual helmet they wore in 72 when the Immaculate Reception happened. They wore gray for the first two Super Bowls. Ew, come on now. That's like saying ew to block numbers. And there might be people that have gotten accustomed to the italicized numbers that you see now on the uniforms. But everyone, most everyone loves the block numbers. But still, 
The throwbacks are going on, and they'll look cool. I love the block numbers, but I just want the gray face mask. Now, it used to be, because after, you remember the Steelers used to have the gold helmets with the throwbacks, which were really cool. Uh, then the NFL said you can't have alternate helmets. They got rid of that rule. That's when you see teams like the Atlanta Falcons, when they played the Steelers, they had their red helmets. Uh, you see all these really cool helmets in the Steelers. All I want is a freaking face mask. Can't do it. Not yet, anyways. Hopefully soon. Other news, injury updates. So Kenny Pickett, and a lot of people, I, maybe I just misheard Mike Tomlin, but I was watching the press conference, and Mike Tomlin, when he was asked, is he cleared protocol, he said, I believe there's one more box to check, and then he'll be good. And then all of a sudden, everyone just starts writing, I get an ESPN alert, that he's cleared protocol, cleared protocol. Well, no, that's not what Mike Tomlin said. Mike Tomlin clearly stated he has one more proverbial hurdle or box to check to get over before he is actually cleared. They all expect it'll happen. You just never know. And Mike Tomlin did say that they will go back to Kenny Pickett once he is cleared, which they're expecting that to happen. Uh, Since they had an estimated practice report on Tuesday, and I'm not going to go into an estimated practice report in depth, Kenny Pickett would have been a full participant if they practiced, but they didn't. Other injuries of note, he talked about Pat Fryermuth. He's expecting that foot injury to be a little bit better, but might hinder him a little bit earlier in the week. Miles Jack with a groin injury. He was inactive last week. He said he should be back in the lineup. He talked about Terrell Edmonds dealing with a hamstring injury. Deontay Johnson with a little bit of turf toe. I've never heard of anyone with a little bit of turf toe. <laughs> I've heard of a minor muscle pull or strain, but a little bit of turf toe, thats uh, I don't know how that works, but he said that they're expecting him to be available. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, other than that, the only other news, and this has been talked about at a lot of outlets, and I, I, I got to be honest, I'll tell you a quick story. At dinner on uh, Tuesday night, I'm sitting there, and I sit next to my wife, and I take my hand, I put it on her hand, and I said, honey, I've got a surprise for you. And of course, our kids were like, oh my gosh, what's the surprise? And I said, I'm taking you to the game at Akershire Stadium Saturday night. And she looked at me and rolled her eyes and said, how cold is it going to be? <laughs> so I started to laugh, and I said, well, at kickoff, the temperature is supposed to be anywhere between 5 and 8 degrees. She said, are you serious? And I said, and it gets better, wind chills, minus 14. She said, no, I would never do that. And that's the whole point. I wasn't taking my wife to the game. She, I knew, she knew from the moment I said I was taking to her game that there was a catch, and the catch was that it's going to be freaking cold as balls. Uh at that game, and I don't even know. There's a lot of people that are not going. I guess they're trying to sell their tickets. Uh, I know on our Slack channel, I think it was Jeremy Jerome Betts who had said that there's some tickets for $25 in the upper deck, 50 at the 50 yard line. If you want to, you want to go and see a cool game because you'll see a lot of legends there, and it's at least a meaningful game still, somewhat. Maybe you want to go and and go through and sit through that. I think the Yins boys, the what Yins talking about guys are going to be there. That's going to be absolutely frigid. And so that'll be interesting. I know that our own um, Bradley Locker is working on an article that's going to be on the website about the coldest games in Steelers history. We'll see where that one ranks. All right, let's do some DEFCON numbers. Remember, one, one is bad. One is no bueno. Five, very good. You want the five. So here we go. DEFCON levels. After week 15, the Steelers win, beating the Carolina Panthers. Quarterback goes up one. It goes from a three to a four. Mitch Trubisky plays a clean game. I thought he made some very good throws, especially in the second half. It was a really great sign 
for him. And I, I was happy for him. He deserves it. He deserves to have success. His success means the Steelers have success. Therefore, I like the way he played. I feel com- more confident about the position now than I did a week ago, and that's why it goes up to a four. The wide receivers and tight ends. I did have some people laugh and say, really, you bumped them from a three to a five against the Ravens? I'm keeping them at a five. I thought Deontay Johnson played a great game. You can talk about the, the penalties all you want. I'm talking about for me, is just their ability to, to catch the football, to do their job, and they did their job to really, really well. I do want to see Pat Fryermuth get involved more, but those that got targeted, they did their job, but they're staying at a five. That's a great sign. Running backs, they were close to going to a five, but they're staying at a four. Uh, I just... I just want to see Najee Harris get to 100 yards. That's it, just once. I want to see him break that century mark. Just once. Just give it to me once. Just give it to me once. Maybe that'll get to him five. But, you know, hold on to the football. They're at a four. They didn't move. Offensive line goes up one to four. You rush for over 150 yards. You protect the quarterback, only giving up one sack. You're doing your job. If anything can improve, it would be in pass protection and just continuing to play at that level. Again, I said it on Monday. I'll say it again now. They showed a little bit of potential, that dangerous P word. Can they do it consistently? We shall see. The defensive backs going to the defensive side of the ball, they actually go down one. And you're, yeah, they go from a four to a three. You know, the Steelers, they gambled early in that game and they said, we are going to put our defensive backs on an island. We're going to sell out to stop the run. They don't listen to me, but if they did, that's what I told them to do. I told them to sell out to stop the run. The problem is is that the defensive backs are just not that good, <laughs> whether it's Levi Wallace, whether it's James Pierre, Cam Sutton, all these guys. They're just not that good. So uh, it goes down to a three. Inside linebacker stays the same at a three. I thought they played well without Miles Jack. Mark Robinson got his first action. Not a lot. I think seven total snaps, but he got some defensive snaps for the first time in his young career. It was good to see. Uh, outside linebacker goes up one to a three. The pass rush finally started to come to life. Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt combined for two and a half sacks, so good to see they go up one to three. The defensive line also goes up one to three. You hold a team to 21 yards rushing as a team, well, it's going to bump you up a little bit. So it's it's not going to go. I want to see again, again, consistency here, folks. That's what I want to see, consistency. It goes up one to three. Special teams also goes up one to a three. Presley Harvin was not called on to punt a lot. That's a good thing. Chris Boswell made all his kicks. That's a good thing. We can live with it. So there's your DEFCON level. Let's talk about this three-game tryout. So I I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I even brought it up last week. This was something that I stole from Kevin Smith, KT Smith, who does his the Here We Go Steelers show with Brian Davis on Fridays. Make sure you check that out. The coach, KT Smith. And Kevin said about how there there were five games left. He said, man, there's going to be players that this is like a tryout for them. They have to prove in the last five games what they're capable of so the Steelers don't feel the need to go out in the offseason, whether it's in free agency or the draft, and find their replacement. So... Now there's three games left, and so I decided what this is a perfect time, in my opinion, to kind of figure out, okay, what exactly, who exactly, I should say, who exactly is in this tryout phase in these final three games? I have five on offense, five on defense, and one on special teams. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. The first player, and these are not in any particular order, just how I wrote them down. The first player is Dan Moore Jr., We have talked a lot about the left side of the offensive line. They're both going to be discussed here. And what I decided to do in this exercise is to look at the positives and the negatives 
and what might need to improve upon or be improved upon during these last three games for the Steelers to be confident in them next season. So, plus, run blocking. Dan Moore is has proven that he can run block well. However, his pass protection, especially against a bull rush, is, is really, really bad, and it struggles at times. He needs to be more balanced as an offensive tackle. So that means he needs to not just continue to run block well, but also needs to really work on his pass protection and not have those snaps where he just gets beat seemingly easily. Easy for me to say, but you know what I mean. So Dan Moore Jr., he's one of those offensive players in that three-game tryout. Another offensive lineman is Kevin Dotson. Again, the plus is run blocking. You saw this against Carolina. When the Steelers ran it to the left side, they were running it down the Panthers' throats. A combination of Mason Cole, Kevin Dotson, and Dan Moore were just paving the way for whatever running back had the football. And it was great to see. However, Kevin Dotson, and this is something I've read about from Jeffrey Benedict, I've read about from Kevin Smith, his technique needs work. Can Pat Meyer, I mean, remember, Kevin Dotson only has one more year left on his rookie contract. Can Pat Meyer work some magic with this guy and get him to the potential that he could be? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if you want to find the next guard, the guy that's going to transform the offensive line, you get him this offseason. And if it takes him a year, you can have Dotson there, and then afterwards you let him walk, and then that next player takes over. So that's not a good sign for Dotson. Dan Moore still has two years left on his contract. There's a big difference from a contractual standpoint. Next player on the list is Zach Gentry. Now, we talked about contracts. Zach Gentry is in a contract year. Now, we know that he's settled in. This is a plus for him. A plus is a positive. He's settled in in this role that he has as a blocking tight end. But with that, the negative is the question of, is he worth a new deal? Is he worth a second contract? Is a blocking tight end worth that? Maybe maybe he is, maybe he isn't. You drafted Connor Hayward. You still have Pat Frymuth under contract. What's the plan there? We'll see. But that's going to be interesting. And what, what can Zach Gentry prove in the last three games? Next, Steven Sims. He's versatile. That's a positive. Is he reliable, though? Is he reliable as a returner? He's had some issues, both with decision-making and holding on to the football. From a receiver standpoint, he's still kind of rough around the edges, but he seems to be able to work the slot. We'll see. I don't know. You still have guys like Anthony Miller they'll probably try to bring back. So Steven Sims, like that's another guy who in the last three games, if he can make a play, whether it's a big punt return, whether it's a touchdown, scoring a touchdown, just the first touchdown of his of his uh, time in Pittsburgh, that would be big. And the last one, number five on offense, is Benny Snell. He has shown that a positive for him is his special teams capability. The fact that he plays special teams, and he does a pretty good job with it. That helps. He's going to want to go somewhere where he has a chance to actually play, though. But is he needed anymore with Jalen Warren stepping up? Najee Harris, we know Najee Harris, first-round draft pick. Is he needed anymore? He's got to prove that he's needed. But it's going to be the question ultimately might fall down to is another team want him more? That's going to be interesting and see what they do to fill out that third running back on the depth chart. So on offense, the players on the three-game tryout, Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Zach Gentry, Steven Sims, and Benny Snell. Defensively, Devin Bush. Yeah, the Steelers traded up to get him in the draft. That that matters. You didn't pick up his option, and we I think everyone understood why. But you 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 don't pick up his option, and now it's looking like I don't even know if this guy's going to be back. 
You trade up to pick number nine to get him, and then he doesn't even earn a second contract. The injury is a big thing, and the injury is a huge negative with Devin Bush. He has shown improvement, but he's going to have to show a whole heck of a lot more than what he has in the final three games. The next is Cam Sutton. Talk about versatility. The guy can play inside. He can play outside. He's a great number two cornerback. The problem is, and the negative, is that he's not a cornerback one. He's not that guy. If the Steelers could get that guy and bring him back, that's a heck of a tandem. But they don't have that guy, and he's not that guy, and that's a problem. So while Cam Sutton can play inside and outside, he can be your dime back. He can be in the nickel if you need him to be, and he can he can do most of it. He's a very smart player, but he's not that guy. The next is DeMonte KZ. The Steelers in a three-safety look. Everyone was excited to see it, haven't seen much of it. The problem is that's the negative. It's a, such a, a small sample size. Are they willing to give him another contract to bring him back in? What does it mean for Trell Edmonds? Well, we'll see. But still, with DeMonte KZ, with a one-year deal, he's been hurt. So they haven't seen a lot of it, and that's a problem. William Jackson III is the next guy. Speaking of a player that's been hurt, if he gets to even play in these three games, you got to throw him out there because, well, the Steelers need man cornerbacks, and that's what he is. The problem is is that who knows if he's going to be healthy, if he can stay healthy, if he's worth the money. You've traded for this guy. Now, he's not going to meet the criteria for the draft pick. They've said that already in terms of playing so many snaps. But still, you want to see what you have. Maybe they don't even get that opportunity. We'll see. The last one is Larry Ogunjobi. He is dynamic and he's serviceable. But he's also dealt with a ton of injuries. And he had an injury with his foot before he even came into the Steelers. That's why he lost that contract with Chicago this past offseason when he failed his physical. And how much is it going to cost? It cost $8 million for one year this year. He's been worth the money. But it's still $8 million. You got to ask yourself how much this guy is going to be worth and if you're willing to pay him that much money. So the defensive players, Devin Bush, Cam Sutton, DeMonte Casey, William Jackson III, and Larry O. Now, special teams, I actually put Presley Harvin III on this list. Yes, he was a drafted player in the seventh round. But ultimately, he lacks consistency. So unless Chris Boswell is going to come to the coaching staff, Danny Smith, Mike Tomlin, and say, look, I like this guy holding for me. I want him here no matter what. The Steelers, they need to see a guy that can go out and punt better and more consistent than what they have. He has had really great games, and he's had games where it just makes you cringe. That's what's the problem. The problem is consistency. So the pedigree and the drafted part, that's on his side. And he's only going into his second year, so he has two more years left. But, man, that consistency has to improve. And I think he actually has to put out some good tape in his last three games. You might be sitting there listening to this saying, well, there's some other players that you didn't even mention, Jeff. A player like Terrell Edmonds, he's going to be a free agent. To me, he has nothing else to prove. What else does Terrell Edmonds have to prove to anybody? That's what this is about. These three games, quote-unquote, tryout. They're for players that might be on the cusp. They might be on the fringe, on the bubble, however you want to word it. A player like Terrell Edmonds is not there. You want to bring him back, you bring him back. If not, he's going to find a place somewhere else. I would even say Derek Watt. What else do you need to see from Derek Watt? He's been more involved this year, especially since the bye week. If you're going to bring him back, at what price? Definitely not what the price was that you brought him in with. There's other players that fit that criteria too. There's some players you don't need. There's nothing else for them to shoot. You don't need to see it. So there you have it. Those players that are going into that three-game tryout. All right, when we come back after this break, we're going to dive into the mailbag. A lot of questions, a lot of good ones. We're going to be right back after this break. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the second half of the Wednesday podcast, which means it's time for the mailbag. In case you didn't know, how to actually have your question answered, it's simple. You follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me. Actually, you don't even have to follow me. You just have to look on Tuesday morning. And at Tuesday morning, eh, 8 or 9 a.m., I will put out a tweet saying, hey, time for questions for the mailbag. Fire away. You respond to that tweet. I will answer your question on the air. Heath Davis is back and better than ever. He asked several questions. Here's the first. The defense averages allowing 22.3 points per game. If you take out the Eagles and Bills, the Steelers average 19.9 points allowed. If Is the defense really that bad if they only allow that many points, or does it look bad because they can't seem to score enough to win? The offense's average is 17.8 points per game. Hashtag ride or die crew. Sorry for the hesitation there. I had to try to figure out his he's he's limited with characters and is just trying to figure everything out. So I, I think that yeah, I understand the whole premise of if you take these games away, but you can't take those games away. I, I'll never forget, I think it was 2020. Maybe it wasn't. The last time the Steelers played the Eagles prior to this season, uh Miles Sanders, they they had stopped the run like crazy. And Miles Sanders broke off a 73-yard touchdown run. And everyone said, well, if you take that run away, then they only gave up 12 yards rushing. But they didn't stop him. <laughs> he scored his 72-yard touchdown. So a 70-plus yard, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. You can't just say, well, to take it away. The Steelers allowed 22.3 average because they did surrender that many points to the teams that you mentioned, the Eagles and the Bills, et cetera. So that's tough for me right off the bat. Next question from Heath. Do you believe Kenny Pickett, KP8, I'm not saying your nickname for him, has progressed enough this season to give you hope for a jump next year, or do you see a Mac Jones-style regression? So here's the thing for me. I was thinking about this the other day, driving to work, and I'll probably do an entire podcast on this in the offseason. And I was thinking about something Kenny Pickett had said a couple weeks ago about how, you know, they I think they might have been asked about the rookie wall. He said, I got to be honest, Like I've never been around the game this long, this much. And I thought to myself, man, what's he talking about? Well, if you think about it, he played up until the ACC championship game last year and then didn't play in the bowl game and went straight into NFL draft prep. He's throwing, he's running, 
He's lifting. He's trying to stretch out his hands, I guess, for the hand measurements at the combine. He's getting ready for the combine. Combine's done. He's going from the combine to these team meetings. Individual teams are bringing him in. They're talking to him, quizzing him, trying to pick his brain, seeing if it's going to be, if he's going to be that guy. Finally gets drafted by the Steelers, and then he immediately goes into prep mode. He's going into PR mode. He's going to all these events. He's going to draft parties. He's going to make sure that he can do every single thing. Rookie minicamp, mandatory minicamp, OTAs. Finally gets a little bit of a break, and then he's back at training camp, and he hasn't stopped since. That is a lot. So I do think that when you take in the fact that when the season ends, he will get a little bit of a break for the first time in a long time, and that also – regardless of who they bring in as the offensive coordinator, maybe it's still Matt Canada. I still think they're going to leave it up to Kenny Pickett and his comfort level. He's going to have an entire offseason to prepare himself as the starter. He doesn't have to worry about a competition. It's his job. And so that's going to play a big deal. So I do see him progressing in this second season. I don't see a Mac Jones-style regression. That's a good question, though. Next from Heath, at this point in the season if you had to name two starters on offense and defense to be the Steelers most valuable players who would they be and why so this is an interesting question normally this is a slam dunk like the Steelers MVP is like that's oh, easy it's so and so not this year it's it's tough so on offense if I had to pick two players to be the MVPs I'm gonna have to go with Probably, man, I'd, I'd love to just do the offensive line because they've just played together so much. It's insane to think that so far, and I just knocked on wood for those that are super superstitious, that through 14 games, Mason Cole missing a half of a game and Chooks Accord for missing a play has been the only snaps missed along the offensive line. Just tremendous. Other than that, I'd probably give it to the running backs. I know I'm speaking in generalities, but it's tough on offense. On defense, Cam Hayward is unbelievably valuable, and I'd give one to Alex Highsmith as well. Because in TJ Watt's absence, he stepped up. Last run from Heath. All right, El Jefe, for the people in the back, can you explain why Tom Brady sucks? <laughs> we don't have enough time in this podcast for that. And the whole scandal with the TV12 Foundation. So in other words, I'm going to sum it up for those that don't know. Everyone would always say how Tom Brady, oh my gosh, he's such a good guy, and he takes a team discount, and he does all this stuff so that they can bring all these players in, and he took a lower salary number. But what they didn't know is that the Patriots were funding the TB12 Foundation. Therefore, the money was getting funneled to Tom Brady through the foundation, not through the salary cap. It didn't count against the salary cap. Just another way that they kept him there, kept him happy, and yet still skirted the rules. Shocker, I know. Britsburg Owen, haven't heard from him in a while. He said, what do you make of Mike Tomlin's response to Marcus Allen's penalty? He said to Allen, keep on trucking. Well, at first, I did not see where he said that. Uh, he was very honest on Tuesday and said that he's going to keep any conversations or disciplinary action on with Marcus Allen in-house. I did not expect him to fire the guy. Maybe he'll bench him. We won't know that until Saturday night. But as of now, like I didn't expect him to cut him. I'd understand it if he did, but I didn't expect him to cut him. But since I don't know your quote, I'm not quite sure what you are referring to. Uh, then Britsburg asks another one. What does Marcus Allen contribute to the team? As this is, as this is not the first time he's been a dope. Also, he's a menace in the locker room. How does he keep Mark Robinson off the team? I, I, okay, this is one of those times where I, this is a typical fan thing. How is he a menace in the locker room? Because he's excitable, 
because he's kind of like the team hype man that he plays music that he does videos and Mike Tomlin comes in and dances on those videos if that bothers people like okay that's fine I guess that's not a menace um I think he's he's a special teams contributor I was talking to my dad the other day on the phone and he goes what does this guy do I said he just plays special teams that's it he said well shoot that's it and I said yeah I said he goes, well, he's, what the hell is he doing? I, said, I don't know what he's doing. I can't justify it in any way, stretch, or form. So keeping Mark Robinson off the team, they, they probably wouldn't play the same special teams position. Let's not jump to conclusions. I think that's important. Uh, let's see here. M Dibs 24 said, who would you like to see get more playing time near the end of the year? Uh, I like what Sims provides over Gunner. I definitely think, and Sims has supplanted Gunner, I think, in my opinion, for a while. I want to see more George Pickens still. I keep on saying that over and over again. I sound like George Pickens hype man. I just want to see more. Brian Haynes asked several questions. He said, will Deontay Johnson score this year? Bold prediction, no. I don't think he does. If he does, I don't think it's still late in the year, like week 18. I just think that the Steelers are a team that they're not going to score a lot of passing touchdowns unless they're deep plays. And I just don't see him being that guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets in the end zone, but I'm going to say no. That's my bold prediction. Brian Haynes asks another. If you had to choose two players, one from each side of the ball, who won't be back next year, who would you say is out? Um, Okay. I think Devin Bush is gone. I think Devin Bush wants to be gone. I think he wants to start fresh. And I don't think he's willing to take a, a home team discount or a team discount. As for who stays, I'm really hoping they sign Trell Edmonds. And I know that's on the same side of the ball, and I know I'm skirting the rules here, but that's just the two players I chose. I think they bring Terrell Edmonds back. I think that's a good pick if they do that. Brian also asks, who's the biggest surprise, good surprise, of the season in your opinion? Um, I'd have to say George Pickens has been the biggest surprise in a good way because he's a rookie. And rookie receivers for the Steelers typically take some time to get warmed up and get going. And he seems to kind of hit the ground running. And I got to be honest, like I was pretty surprised uh, when I saw that. So, yeah, that's a good surprise and good questions from Brian for sure. Uh, Let's go to Nick. Nick asked, Jeff, happy holidays. Same to you, Nick. Do you see that Mitch can utilize his arm talent to connect on intermediate to long throws to the outside receivers as a staple, but at the detriment of utilizing the middle where he is not the best defensive reader? meaning reading the defense. Does Kenny Pickett finally rip it too? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you, Nick, for the question. So we know, anyone that's watched this team and knows these quarterbacks, know that both Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky have a bigger arm and stronger arm than Kenny Pickett. That does not mean that Kenny Pickett has a weak arm. It's just that he does not he does not operate the same when it comes to arm talent. Okay, that's just fact. Kenny Pickett also does a better job utilizing the middle of the field because I think he's more accurate. I think he does read the defense better, even at this stage of his career. And so the question that you ask is, can Mitch utilize the middle? I don't think that's where you want him throwing the ball. You saw that happen against the Ravens. I don't think it's a shock that the plan that they had for the Ravens was really for Pickett in terms of throwing the ball over the field and those different types of routes. And that's not Mitch Trubisky's MO. So when they knew they were going with Trubisky in week 15, what did you see? Throws to the outside. Very few over the middle. So it's just, I think it's just what works with the quarterbacks. Really do. Uh, but I, don't, I think I think they eventually, Kenny Pickett's going to have to slowly settle in and start to really, yeah, like you said, let it rip and let's take some chances. IJR says, what are the honest, realistic goals for the remainder of the season for the Steelers? 
I think the honest, realistic goal is to win as many of these final games as, as possible. And that sounds generic, and that sounds like I'm cheating when I answer that question. But in terms of the team going out and really trying their butts off to win every single game, fighting for every blade of grass, and just going out there to say, I'm playing for my professional career, my professional lives right now. Other than that, I think that can they run the table? I think they can. And maybe I'm just a, an eternal optimist. But for me, you have the Raiders at home on Saturday in the frigid temperatures. That's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. And then you go to Baltimore. They always play Baltimore tough. You think about how bad they played and they still only lost by two. I think they can win that game and they can obviously beat the Browns at home to finish out the season. Do they get into the playoffs? I don't think they do, even if they do run the table. But I think that would be a really awesome way to finish this season if they're capable. Lori asks, you have talked a few times about the general inconsistency regarding different aspects of this team. How does it get fixed? Is there an element of complacency that also needs to be addressed, or is it just a matter of adapting to this new post-Ben era? Consistency, depending on the position, comes down to work ethic. When you think about eliminating penalties, you know Deontay Johnson's false starts, like those are killers. You have to just hammer it in your head that you have to focus on the details. Uh, the offensive line play, focus on the details. That's what it really comes down to, practicing and a focus that maybe you didn't think you needed to do or go there. That's what it takes to really become a consistent football team. Once you have the talent in place, it's just a matter of getting everything else uh, together, crossing your T's, dotting your lowercase J's. Like That's what it comes down to, the fine details. If they can do that, they will start seeing consistency, and that's what this team needs, as I said in the first half. Corey Eckenroth said, you, you get to make two personnel changes as soon as the last snap of the season is made. What are they? My vote is releasing Drops Johnson, as he calls him, and firing special teams coach Bazooka Joe slash Danny Smith. So if I'm making two personnel changes as soon as the last snap is over, uh, the first one is going to be letting several of these free agents know that they're no longer going to be welcome. And I'm talking about players like a Devin Bush. Uh, I'm going to be talking about players like a William Jackson III and maybe even a Larry Ogunjobi saying, hey, you know, you slide the piece of paper across the table and say, this is what we're willing to give you. You can go test the waters, but this is as, this is as high as we're going to go. So if you don't want to stay here, and someone like Larry O, has been all, he's been all around the AFC North. If you don't want to stay here, that's fine. Good luck wherever you go, but this is it. I, that's one of the moves I'm making. Second move is I'm probably, as long as Kenny Pickett's on board, I'm, I'm going to get rid of Matt Canada. I'm just going to get rid of Matt Canada. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're going to start clean, get Kenny Pickett, a guy he likes that fits his scheme, that fits his thought process, that, they, that he can vibe with, and that's those are the two moves I make. Andres says, I know we are in a rebuild era with the Steelers. I feel the team is not far off from being competitive. I feel we can be a power run team. We are just a few picks away on the offensive line to make it happen. I think our weakness is left tackle and left guard. What are your thoughts? I've openly said that if there's weaknesses along the line, those are the two positions. What do they do in the offseason? I think that maybe you, you say, let's go out and get both, and let's see what we can do. And if the left left tackle is the first-round pick, then Dan Moore becomes your swing tackle, and he's got experience, a lot of it. And if you go out and get a guard, if that guard's not ready this year, you still have Kevin Dotson for a year. You can manage that. 
what keeps coming into my mind is how bad of a pick Kendrick Green was. <laughs> That's just what comes to mind. All right, last one from Ann Smith. He said, I agree with you on the Kenny Pickett over Zach Wilson talk, but you would really take Kenny Pickett over Trevor Lawrence or think Kenny Pickett is better than Lawrence. Okay, let's let's back this up a little bit. When I had, uh, I think I had Brian Davis on, or maybe it was Jeremy Betts, I can't remember, and we talked about this. And it was before, I think this was, I don't know, when Zach Wilson was, he was playing bad. He was playing poorly, and this is probably when he got benched uh, for saying stupid stuff to the media. And I still stand by that. Now, Trevor Lawrence has really turned it on, and, and he even gave an image here. It's since week nine, Trevor Lawrence has a 70.4% completion rate, a 14-to-1 touchdown to interception rate, and a 111.2 passer rating. Those are all first place in the NFL since the Steelers' bye week. So Trevor Lawrence has really turned it around. And no, I probably wouldn't take Kenny Pickett over Trevor Lawrence right now because he has turned it around, and I, I think that – if I had to guess and predict who which quarterback would turn it around, it was Trevor Lawrence over Zach Wilson because I think Peterson down there in Jacksonville is that he's the guy to do it. And so, yeah, I, I'm probably going to walk those statements back a little bit. At the time, Trevor Lawrence was not playing well. He is now. Kenny Pickett still has a lot to prove, a lot of steps to progress. We'll see where that goes. Good questions, though. Good questions from everyone. Thank you all for participating. I really do appreciate it. I will be back on Friday. Myself, Jeremy Jerome Betts, NFL Picks. We'll be talking all things Steelers. On Friday, got the heart-to-heart, keys to victory, my sportsbook parlay. You name it, we got it. But in the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.